Three, two, one. Groovy. Just like how this is a very groovy podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ian Taylor, and welcome to the 91st episode of First Days with Maury for a very bizarre fan-selected episode from my good, although one of the films made me question my friendship with him, good friend Matthew Jacob, uh, a movie all about guns for limbs, or more specifically, chainsaws for limbs. Yeah, bit of false advertising. Yeah, bit of false advertising there. I'm trying. I'm trying to sleep. Now, who is this (laughs) random singer over here? Who is this guy? (laughs) This is fucking guy. That's a good question. Who is this guy? I've only been on every single episode since we started. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But, I I mean, this is from the perspective of somebody joining us from the first time. Well, this is the first episode. The 91st episode. (laughs) Every episode is uh, is everyone's first episode when they start listening. Well, I you guess. gotta treat it like such, right? You know, it's. Oh yeah, uh, my name's uh, Devin, uh, last name King, uh, and I'm the co-host of this show and uh, kind of the server runner uh, that we have over on Discord, which you should go join. Um, I'll put a yeah. link in the description so... below. <laughs> yeah, link in the description, all that important info. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have a fun episode tonight. Uh, the original title was Gun Limbs, but um, as we'll uh, talk about in Evil Dead 2, they have probably one of my favorite um, sight gags <laughs> when uh, his hand gets uh, possessed. Uh, spoilers, by the way, for anyone that hasn't seen Evil Dead 2. Uh, when his hand gets possessed, he cuts it off, and then he uh, buries it under like a trash can lid to stop, to stop it from moving, and then puts a farewell to arms on top of it, which is... Uh, I thought was a really fitting episode title for tonight's theme. <laughs> I mean, everybody's bending farewell to their arms and their hands and yeah. their legs. Although, considering the, the theme of tonight's episode, um, in which uh, people people's hands have been uh, dismembered and replaced with a weapon, um, why aren't we talking about Videodrome? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, more specifically, why are we talking about a film where, spoiler alert, there's a chainsaw for a hand, not a gun? A little false advertising well, there, Matt. Come on. Well, no, that's that, 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 that's why I changed it up to a farewell to arms because Gunlands was just wasn't accurate. Yeah. I mean, it was false. It, 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 it gets the idea across for sure. Also, the people that like request the really odd episodes, how come they can't make it on? That's, that's, yeah. that's what I'm well, wondering. Matt's got shit to do. I think just recently. Fair enough. Uh, he started getting day shifts, but he's you know kind of working around that still and. You know, he has a wife and a life, and uh, I have neither of those things, so I'm not one to judge. Uh, fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I want to know what that's like, uh, having a life. Oh, yeah. My God, it must be miserable. Painful. Uh, at, least we have a, at least we have a podcast, and we have, uh, yeah. through every film, uh, are able to live vicariously through the lives of the characters we view. Exactly. Uh, we <clears throat> make this show to entertain you guys during these questionable, strange times. And we'll be on here forever. You can't get rid of us. I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Um, also apologize in advance for my thoughts on one of these movies. But another one may be a pleasant surprise. Uh, spoiler alerts for all three films, by the way, guys. I can't stress that enough. If you haven't seen any of these films and you don't want any spoilers, even if it isn't an old film, I get it. You want to go in blind if you've like been looking to watch it for a long time. I get it. We've got timestamps down below if you're watching this on YouTube. Feel free to click on whichever films you don't give a shit about or you've already seen. And click away from the films you might want to see yourself and try to keep spoiler free. So, 
avoid spoilers for this film, uh, <laughs> uh, if you've somehow managed to do so already, might be a good thing. Because there are some uh, interesting surprises in store for The Evil Dead 2. Uh, much believed to be a remake of the first Evil Dead, but this was disproven for one of the most bizarre trivia stories I've ever read. So, Evil Dead 1 uh, had a low budget, but also didn't particularly do well in feeders, which discouraged Sam Raimi from making a sequel to it for the longest time. Only for his next film, I forget the name of it, but it was such a big flop that he convinced himself to do an Evil Dead 2 and try to make it like a little more marketable, a little more comedic. So... Here we go with a different production studio, and the budget was so low that they couldn't afford the rights to the first movie to reuse footage from the first movie to explain what happened in the first movie. <laughs> so that's why we get a bunch of opening shots where they basically change up what happened in the first movie. Now it's only just Ash and his girlfriend instead of the rest of the lovely folks at the cabin, and instead of like Ash getting... Um, done up by a tree, we get something more tasteful where she gets possessed instead. But it also starts off the same way where Ash got, you know, possessed in that twist ending of the first film. Spoiler for the first film. He gets possessed in this movie only for the cross to take it away because Sam Raimi, we can't let him get away with this. All of his films have <laughs> are very religious in nature. All of them have lots of screaming women because that's his fetish. A lot of them have like really crazy, ambitious weird shots and special effects and i feel like it all kind of stems from this movie this is about as sam raimi as the film gets if you ever want to learn about director's style this film is the way to go what's it about well bruce campbell essentially goes insane for his cabin the dead spirits are back once again and they're basically making his life a miserable hell while a bunch of horrible actors <laughs> who are essentially just there for exposition Swing by and manage to make the spirit go away, but oopsie opens a portal up to medieval times for arguably the best film in the trilogy, Army of Darkness. And I'm not kidding, that's basically what happens in The Evil Dead 2. And I've been meaning to see this one for a while because I've only seen Army of Darkness, I haven't seen the first two. I watched the first one as well, and that's I... alright. You know, it, it's it's, it's weird. I, I haven't seen Army of Darkness, and I, for a mm. while I hadn't seen this one. And it was the first one that I had seen only at that point, which I I loved that movie. And I don't know why it didn't naturally occur to me to go seek out the second one. Maybe it just wasn't available at Blockbuster at the time when I was uh, seeking these movies out. Yeah, that would but, do. Um, it, was, uh, it was a trip to go back and, and rediscover this one, I'll say that. <laughs> and... I think there's a reason Army of Darkness is my favorite one, mostly because it has a plot <laughs> and like a unique setting and backdrop and a little bit of variety. Like this movie kind of it, feels like I a think... model to show off special effects in Bruce Campbell and the special effects in Bruce Campbell are great, but after like long before the film was over, it's not even that long, but I just felt like I needed a little bit more. It felt very repetitive and like it just had one trick up its sleeve and it kept using the same trick over and over. It's just missing something. I don't know what's missing, but it's missing a little something. Something that Army of Darkness had. Money. Oh, money. <laughs> I mean, money is part of it, but you don't need like a high budget to make like a really interesting 
exciting movie. Like, I think, for example, like, The Raid Redemption, like, that was probably shot for even less than this, but that movie had the budget of being shot, like, at an apartment. So, like, every level, there's, like, different goons to deal with, different, like, situations and layouts. Like, I feel like that film kind of had that benefit, so it kind of felt, like, less repetitive in nature, whereas this is just, oh, Bruce Campbell deals with something wacky. That something wacky almost kills him. And then he deals with that something wacky at the last minute, and that's it's like basically it's movie. like him in every movie. It's basically every movie that him and Sam Raimi worked on. Which oh for sure, you know, you can tell they have to be good friends because like mm. I don't I don't know any other actor that would go through this kind of torture. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know and <laughs> apparently, like he'd injure himself a lot. Thing. Like he's there was a lot of broken Man. stuff in this movie. Like that's where all the money went was just destroying the absolute shit out of this cabin. <laughs> How does Raimi get away with it? Yeah, he, that's a very good question. How does he get away with it? And I feel like this is like a perfect short film. If this was like just the first 30 minutes and that's it, it'd be like one of the greatest short films ever made. Like it's really, it, it manages to strike that comedic and horrific tone. There's a lot of like really impressive special effects, especially for the time. And Bruce Campbell is so good and so funny. Like he's basically just, like a silent actor at points like just with how expressive he is and how like he just he's great at like using his body to add the comedy like the way he'll fall off after like breaking the chair or <laughs> just when he's saying splash of all the blood he's like ah god god damn it like he adds no, so I, much to this movie and, and and i think they uh they did a good job kind of integrating comedy into this where it's mm -hmm. just so absurd and so over the top where he's just like <laughs> He, at times, he's just, like, drowning in buckets of blood from <laughs> Quite literally. these, yeah. like, creatures, and he's, like, fighting these giant papier-mâché kind of animatronic creatures. And it's so, like, cheesy and fake-looking and over-the-top over that you can't just help – you can't help but just smile when watching it. Like, yeah, it's just it such absolutely a fits. <laughs> and I think the best bit is, like, all of the laughing props. <laughs> like, he'll fall down the chair, and, like, the caribou will laugh, and then the lamp, and <laughs> – like, all of the furniture will laugh with him, and, like, his acting is so good in that scene, because he goes from confusion to bewilderment when he's blinking, to, like, kind of, like, going along with it and doing that weird little dance, then he laughs, and then he cries from grief, and then he has, like, a moment of paranoia. It's like, in the course of two minutes, <laughs> like, we go through so many emotions without, like, one line of dialogue. I'm just like, okay, I wasn't expecting that caliber of acting in this cheesy, <laughs> low-budget 80s Sam Raimi schlock. <laughs> like, that's actually, like, really impressive, outside of being, like, a funny and bizarre scene. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it absolutely delves into, like, the surreal, definitely the absurd. But uh, you can tell they're just having a good time with this. And mm -hmm. I agree. Exploring kind of even like weird emotional depths and even in such an absurd kind of situation um and it's it's so funny to me um that they didn't they couldn't get the rights to their own movie to reuse footage they had to yeah. recreate it because I, I was always wondering what that what that black continuity was because i had always heard growing up that it just picks up with the last one left off but then they kind of retread some stuff and i'm like oh i wonder why they had to do that and that's why like you think that would have been settled before they made the movie like, right? Like, you think, like, the studio would be like, oh, hey, you're making Evil Dead 2? Hang on a minute. Like, you gotta, <laughs> like, pay for some royalties here or settle something. Like, you think that would have been established mm. long before the film was made? But I guess 80s was just a very different time for cinema. 
I, I, I think they had more of a budget than they had for the first one, though. Like, it's still low, That's true. but it's... But um, I also think that that maybe lack of budget or lack of production helps with the strappiness. It helps keep this kind of manic... Yeah, it makes it uh, more charming. You know, yeah, energy. It, it, it has this energy to it where you can tell that they're flying by the seat of their pants to make this thing, and that just keeps it a little more exciting. Mm-hmm. There was a it. Roger Ebert review where he said, like, uh, there's something, like, all of the low-budget effects and camera work just adds so much personality to the experience. And I agree. Like, it adds, like, so much charm and personality, but despite the low budget, like, it's so ambitious. Like, some of the camera shots they go for, like, there's a great one. I First off, I love the effects of the spirit, like, the way it's shot and the way it kind of sounds like a plane slowly crashing. Like, it's really creepy and cool. And there's one shot in particular where it's a long take of chasing him throughout the house. And Bruce Campbell's, like, going through all these different rooms. He's going through, like, a tight little <laughs> alleyway, but, like, between the bathroom and one of the bedrooms and like the shot just keeps going and like i it's a great example of like not taking no for an answer like i don't care if i don't have the money to do this we're gonna do it <laughs> and it's just something yeah, and, so admirable about that and and, and and it's so fun seeing the uh whole set that way as well because like yeah it's very they clever easily just hid you know equipment in one of the cabin rooms for shots that they you didn't need to see it but um that shot shows that you know there is no crew just kind of hiding around on the set that he's that they are able to kind of show off everything that they have there mm -hmm. um and they they also do do a really good job hiding lights so there 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 are these spotlights that are pretty obvious but you know for a DIY budget um I'm sure there was like raw footage where you actually saw the lights by accident um but they did a a, a decent job hiding them for the most yeah, part yeah very good job like, I like how transparent the production is. Like, it's just so fun to kind of see how they put this kind of thing together, but also it's it's just out of frame. Like, you, I, once you see what like a a Fresnel lens can do to a light, you just recognize that uh, type of look in all kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I can really respect the amount of uh, work they put into this slow budget film. Yeah, like, you really have to look for the imperfect. Despite slow budget, you still have to look pretty hard for the imperfections, which is very impressive for, like, a film shot mm -hmm. on this kind of budget. But I think, like, the film gets less interesting when, like, the other characters show up. Like, they are the perfect example of they're just there for exposition and nothing else. Like, they're so one-note. Yeah. They have no personality. Like, well, even they, their comedic they... timing doesn't work nearly as well as Bruce they... Campbell. Yeah, I think they die as quickly as they're introduced, though, so it's not too bad. Yeah, I know, but st it's still like it's just I've never I've mentioned before on the podcast, so I'm like really not a fan of like red shirt deaths where you're just setting up characters to be killed off, but we just end up feeling nothing because we just see it coming because the character serves no other purpose to the story. I hate shit like that, and that kind of bugged me. That oh yeah, it's like <laughs> they a hey, my fate. father wrote. My my father's one that recorded this uh this tape thing. That's why I'm here. That's basically her whole yeah all yeah. And there. I just assume my grandpa's gonna be at the cabin. And I assume he's gonna have his tape recorder. Like, what if he wasn't there? Like, what if he, you know, felt like staying at home for a few weeks? Or what if he got sick? Like, why do you assume he's just always gonna be at the cabin? <laughs> Makes no <true>. sense. <laughs> But also, if, if, yeah. if you find this book of the dead and you think that reading the passages would uh, release the evil spirits, why would you record yourself saying them? <laughs> well, at first, yeah. 
that was a clever workaround because in the first movie they were like so stupid by reading them. But with Bruce Campbell, like there's a clever workaround where they do it for the audio recording, so it doesn't make him look anywhere near as stupid. It just makes him go like, "What's this weird audio recording here?" Like he mm -hmm. wasn't dumb enough to read into the like Book of the Dead. It was just somebody else saying the words, and like that's a clever workaround to make the character smarter. But then the other characters do equally stupid decisions. It's like, oh, <laughs> so all oh, that's yeah. set up, and yeah, nothing there. But you know, there's still a lot to like admire about the production of the movie. It's just. That's kind of all it has going for it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There's other well, like low budget I, I, productions I, yeah. that I, had a little more like meat on its bones, I guess, beyond just like, look what we can do with these camera effects and cool shots and special effects mm -hmm. and look at Bruce Campbell act and <laughs> it's like, yeah, all of that's great, but it's it doesn't hold my interest for an eighty minute movie. And Army of Darkness knew this and at least tries to like shake it up a little bit and get Bruce Campbell to play off of other characters for once. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that one, because I think um, just going back and seeing, you know, the history of Raimi getting away with it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, like, I think you can go back and really appreciate how far they've come as a collaboration, you know. Yeah. Like, um, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi have worked together from these movies onward, and he's been pretty much in almost every one of those movies since. And when you go back and see this, I think you can understand why they uh, are good friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've like been this. for, like, hell and high water together. <laughs> like, the first film was, right, like, plagued with so many production issues. They had, like, issues, like, filming the second Evil Dead. Like I said, like, all of the opening scenes were done last minute because they realized they couldn't afford the rights, like, in the middle of production. So they had to make up some bullshit and <laughs> get, it, it, like, a... I don't think it's even the same actress. I could be wrong, as in the first movie. <laughs> so they had to get a completely different actress, and it's clear that she can't act either. Like, it, it, shooting a project like this must be a nightmare, and I appreciate them, if nothing else, for sticking through mm -hmm. with it, which I can admire. And that's that's what I think Sam Raimi does best. Like, I don't think he's great at like handling like these long projects where he basically does the same kind of narrative, but for stories that it doesn't really work for. I think he's at his best way, just like completely leans into the goofiness and absurdity of the situation and just <laughs> like makes the mm -hmm. best of it. Like he's not great being rained back by like, he, he's not the best of like big budget productions. Like this, these are the kind of films where he belongs in my mind. And Army of Darkness is a great example of that. And can I just say, we need more medieval horror movies, man. Like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a no, think... genre mix that needs to happen more often. No, I agree. I think there's plenty of uh, horror to be found in uh, the medieval era. Um, I mean, just look at the whole Black Plague. That was all kinds of horror right there. But, no, I think, um, yeah, it, it's, it's fun seeing him kind of get thrown back in time to the medieval era. And I know that's set up for, for Army yeah. of Darkness. Here's my but, thing, um... too. Like, I think another reason why I liked Army of Darkness more is because it has an ending. <laughs> it has, like, a satisfying ending. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but it, it ends, you know? Like, I, the first two movies end with, like, pretty blatant sequel bait, and second one's definitely the worst offender, because there's that whole dumb scene where it's like, uh, who's that? It's, and it's a guy with a chainsaw surrounded by a bunch of knights. It's like, he is the chosen one. He is the one that is going to lead, the, you know, the medieval soldiers against the deadites and i'm like that is just the dumbest 
like sequel baiting never it's like oh history's gonna repeat itself i know what the ending's gonna be like if we're gonna lecture like marvel movies and modern movies for that kind of bullshit blatant sequel baiting why can't we criticize films like this for bullshit blatant sequel baiting you know like, why do films like and this was uh how they i guess um you, you should maybe blame these movies for that kind of thing um yeah for but, sure um at least it does come to a conclusive ending. That's the thing where Marvel mm -hmm. just keeps going and going. Right? Yeah, that's true. Going. Like, it's a trilogy and like that's the Energizer. It. <laughs> it's like the Energizer, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. And even when it does end, it's just like, we gotta leave, like, a little teaser. It's like, no, just let it end. Just do a satisfying free movie trilogy and just let it end. Or, like, pull a Harry Potter and have, like, a bunch of, like, only be based off the books and let it end. None of this Fantastic Beasts spinoff bullshit. That just adds nothing but fluff to the lore. Just have a satisfying trilogy and be done with it. Like, that's the way it should be. Know when to, you know, lay your eggs to roost or whatever. Um, anyways, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of people might have gave up after the first, after making the first movie if it wasn't too successful. But I like the fact that he kind of came back and decided, hey, you know what, we, we can do this better. And you just sort of see them slowly kind of make the idea better and better yeah. with each movie i agree the um, series does get better as it goes along i'll give it that and oh yeah this movie and made I a love, ton of uh, money yeah i love seeing the, the transition from this to uh dark man and then eventually spider-man which was i think the actually the, the first sam raimi film i probably saw as a kid growing up and then later i went and found uh, evil dead not even realizing that they were the same director for a while <laughs> yeah it doesn't quite feel like it does it you know little a little less no, PG. but what, it, if if you see Dark Man, you absolutely see the transition he made from these movies to Spider Man. Uh, I still need to see that. I've got that on Blu-ray. Oh, I still need to watch it. Yeah, we, uh, we're gonna do an episode on that at some point. Don't worry. Anyways, uh, but um, I, I I was just reading a fun fact here. So I noticed there was some uh, overdubbing in this uh, in this movie. Oh uh, yeah. When yeah. He, when he says the line <laughs> "work shed," very obvious. Work but, shed. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's like during that scene where he severs like Linda's head, um, and he just has work uh, work shed. Um, I guess just so you have like insight of where he's thinking of going. Um, it was uh, yeah redubbed because the quality of the audio was pretty crap on uh, set, um, and it gave uh, the strange kind of disproportionate sound. Nine years later, when filming uh, his cameo in Escape from L.A., uh, the first thing Kurt Russell said to Bruce Campbell on the set was, "Stay work dead." <laughs> yeah, That's apparently he's funny. a big fan of this movie. And tons of people are. Like the legacy this film left behind. Like this is basically like the first big horror comedy. Like I think other films have tackled that before, but no other films that are nearly as successful as this one. Like it basically no, they, just they, they, they the absolutely groundwork. hit that like mm -hmm. they, they 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 hit that uh, tone perfectly with this, where it's horrific and over the top, but it's kind of hilarious with how. Uh, at how over the top it is yeah like, it completely leans into the absurdity which is a, a huge benefit for it i think mm. and you know without this like we probably wouldn't have like sequels to reanimator we wouldn't have films like dead alive which i or brain dead I, I don't know which one it is brain dead or dead alive which i still need to see i still need to see that one but it just led way to like basically saying like horror films don't have to take themselves super seriously which is something i could get behind because i hate most horror movies so thank you sam raimi we'll let you get away with this one oh, yeah. what are you gonna give evil dead 2 out of 10 
I just have one more fact that I want to read here, but um, I remember seeing the the production company called Rosebud at the very beginning. I'm like, I've never seen a, uh, that company before. I wonder what else they did. Apparently, they did nothing else. Um, yeah. It was a uh, it was not a real institution. The producer um, was forbidden to release an unrated movie through his own company, so he yep. created Rosebud specifically for uh, <laughs> Evil Dead 2, which is kind of funny. Yeah, they there was like major controversy behind that where. Like, apparently, like, the blood was censored. Like, it used to be even worse, but <laughs> they censored it, and then they're like, nah, it's still unrated. They're like, okay, like, we went through all this work, like, color grading the movie and cutting out certain scenes, and it, 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 you're not even going to release it unrated. So at that point, they're just like, fuck it. Like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> Let's just release the movie, find a way to release it. Like, this isn't worth it. Like, it just, you know, it goes to show that studios just don't know what they're talking about. Like, they don't have the audience's best interest in mind they just think they do it's mm. it's so annoying that they just went through so much work just for it to fire back in their face because it just makes you think like you know why bother <laughs> but that could be like a really dangerous way of thinking because your film can never get out there which this film oh, almost yeah. didn't but i'm despite my issues i'm glad it did i'm giving oh this, yeah it's just yeah. oh you, you're gonna give it a rating no you first no you first all right I'm going to give this one, people will probably be pissed off at this, uh, 6.9 out of 10. God damn it, I was going to give it that. Oh, well, <laughs> we can both give it a 6.9. You know what, I'm going to up it to a 7.5 just because. Oh, I see how it is. Okay, you got to pander to other people's ratings. Hack, it's a hack, confirmed. We confirmed no, I, 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 I honestly did enjoy this one a lot. Like, 6.9 is nice, but this is a good time. Yeah, it's a very good time, it's just... I don't know. I felt like something needed to change about the structure. Maybe it's just like the structure of the film in general, where it's just so exhausting. Like, the whole film just feels like a third act. <laughs> and, like, the conclusion didn't even feel like a conclusion. It just felt like the third act eventually wrapping up before hitting, like, the final beats. <laughs> like, it's such a weird oh, yeah. way to structure a film, and I don't know if it entirely works for me. It's uh, it's perfect. It's perfect Halloween filler, though. Like if yeah. you, if you need something on in the background on Halloween, this is like the perfect. This movie is for the that. perfect party movie, like hundred exactly. percent. Like have some drinks, hang out with some friends, throw on some loud, like use like loud surround sound. It's definitely like meant for that kind of experience. It's a good Halloween movie for sure. It's it's like 100%. silly and scary at the same time, which is kind of what Halloween's going for. Exactly. Now. It's time for some Kino. <laughs> Devin, <laughs> please introduce... Unironic Kino, man, so... Planet Terror! T tonight we have Planet Terror, which is uh, part one of uh, the Grindhouse um, double feature that Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino famously put out back in the day. Uh, man, what, what a what a Kino year 2007 was, eh? We yeah. No Country for Old Men. Um... I think uh, There Will Be Blood was also being filmed at the same time in the same desert as that. And then we had Planet Terror. I mean, it was a stacked year for movies. <laughs> <laughs> Pla John. Planet Terror and, and, and Death Proof, which some people have said Death Proof is like Tarantino's worst movie. But I still enjoy it, so that's probably saying something. All right. Um, we can be friends, but, um, I guess. No, yeah. It's, it's weird, though, that we're talking about Planet Terror. We're not talking about Death Proof. But I'll, I'll I'll just mention them in tandem because they were two movies that uh, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino had made. Um, 
with the intention that they'd be released at the same time as a double feature, um, all under the guise of uh, Grindhouse, which is uh, their homage to like this 70s horror cinema that uh, was coming out back in the day, like this low-budget Grindhouse movies, um, which uh, we kind of have an old-school theater like that in London called The Highland, and they do like retroactive uh, movies, actually, um, in a similar kind of vein. But, um, no, these, these movies came out in 2007, and I kind of blame these movies for making me intrigued or at least more aware of the film medium. Ooh. Like, they really exaggerate the grime, dirt, debris, dust, and hairs that you get on film prints when they've been mishandled, which is very much a deliberate artistic choice in this case, instead of just incidental, you know, elements that happen when you have a film print on a low-budget film that you don't really care too much about. It just kind of gets thrown around, but um, no, these uh these films are like definitely an homage to that era of cinema, which was before our time, and it definitely like intrigued me when I first saw the trailers for this. I don't think I was allowed to watch them at the time they came out, but eventually, years later, I came back to them and uh, still enjoy this one. Um, it's it knows kind of what it is. It's like a it's low budget charm, um, although I'd say it's a little more competently made than the films that's uh paying homage to mm -hmm. what's interesting to me is that these were actually shot digitally or at least this film was shot digitally yes um on like this high quality tape that they had for a while like sony cameras i think were making these like super like hd quality tape somehow i'm not sure how, how, how that technology works actually before they changed it over to like hard drives um but all the uh, film effects that they uh, made were created in post where they scanned real film prints basically and then they would overlay them um, which is uh, a technique that I've uh, used before I've used like film scans to create a film look on digital footage and it's this is kind of you can blame this film for this whole era of people paying homage to older films and giving them a deliberate film look that's uh, very obvious and there's lots of funny kind of psychades that they create. Um, yep. Well, funny in the context of this, there's uh, <laughs> like, for example, they're talking about how um, this guy had a really bad infection on his uh, uh, penis. And um, the best way that they had to take care of that was to sever it. And when they were gesturing with them cutting, there was a splice in the film stock as well. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I which noticed is that too. <laughs> hysterical. Yeah. And, oh, man. It, it's, it's, it's just it's uh it's what, what's it ludo narrative resonance uh, i think they use <laughs> dissonance, ludo narrative yeah. di uh, no no they they, they 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 use ludo narrative dissonance when the and when they're talking about video games where the mechanics of the game are at odds with the story of the game where uh, i would yeah. say this is ludo narrative re resonance where the, the the medium and the way it's presented is totally in harmony with the story it's telling i okay. guess all right but um I haven't even gotten really too much about the story. I'm just very geeking out about the the technicalities. I mean, it's a bunch but, of nonsense, um, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a bunch. It's a bunch of nonsense. There's this what? Is there's a stripper, and she's not having a good time at work. She uh, is fed up with like the workplace culture, so she quits. Uh, and then she's um, she, she she's on the road, and then there are these uh, army people who are uh, driving by, and this guy has like a a big vat full of testicles that he severed. <laughs> and uh, then this whole zombie outbreak happens because he releases a chemical into the air. It's just a bunch of the, you know, same lurid nonsense that you would expect from these kind of movies. But 
Uh, this film makes it charming with, with how nonsensical and lurid as it is. Yeah. It feels like a pulp novel, or it's like you fell asleep while reading pulp novels, basically. <laughs> That's what it feels like. So, watching this movie. This movie's awesome. Uh, I love this movie. <laughs> this movie is surprisingly very much in the same vein of Black Dynamite and Dark Place, where. Oh, yeah. I, it's a little genre I call a homogeny. A homage Homogy. and a parody, where it's clearly a loving homage uh, to Grindhouse films, but it's also a perfect parody of it. And so many of the jokes come from, like, subtle sight gags and how the script makes no sense. And there's a lot of, like, great running jokes, like how everybody wants to be a BBQ guy's recipe or <laughs> how nobody knows this, like, the very obvious signs of <laughs> being zombies. Like, it's just... Is it as funny and clever as something as Black Dynamite? No. No, it's not. But holy crap, is it close. And I just had an absolute... This film was everything Machete wanted to be, but wasn't. This is... Uh, the whole time I was just like, man, this is that one hospital scene from Machete. But now it's just a full movie. <laughs> like, even like the conversation scenes are just more entertaining. Like, especially between the stripper and... um like the lead protagonist like it's just the most like purposely melodramatic nonsense or it's like uh so what are you gonna do i'm gonna be a stand-up comedian don't you have to be funny to be a comedian that's what i keep saying but everybody keeps telling me i should be a stand-up comedian it's like what like what are you even talking about but it's just so purposely melodramatic like i love how oh, it's um, funny. discount anna ferris or the doctor lady is like talking to her son and he's like, uh, I chipped a tooth. And she's like, yeah, I know. Like, everything she's saying is, like, up to 11. Like, it's, but because, like, it's the last conversation she has. But even, like, the smallest things. Because normally when you do that thing in the movie, it's, like, something, like, reminds you that they're never going to see them again or something like that. But there is, like, he's just like, oh, I'm missing a tooth. And she's, like, crying. And she always has, like, the cry makeup on throughout the rest of the fucking movie. And, ah, uh, man. There are so many just like great like sight gags and the film knows exactly what it is and the cast just looks like they're having so much fun. I just had an absolute blast with this movie. It's easily the best film out of the three we're talking about tonight. I don't care. It's better than Evil Dead 2. Come at Very me, nerds. <laughs> Come at me, nerds. No, this this movie's a good time and I do think that the fact that it knows what's paying homage to and it's not taking itself too seriously mm -hmm. um, definitely adds to the charm of it. Yeah, but um, it's not, like, so overt and in-your-face. Like, it's not cynical or, like, too obvious that it's bad on purpose. It's, you know, there's a surprising amount of, like, subtlety to the humor, which I appreciated. Like, little details. And it's, and it's, funny, that, um, it's funny that you're comparing this to uh, Machete as if that came out first, when this it is didn't. the reason that Machete exists at all. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, like it's they, like he they, tried they to make the, the same They movie. have the fake trailer for Machete. Mm -hmm. And because of the popularity of this film and the whole Grindhouse thing, people basically wanted to say, hey, we want to see a Machete movie now. And then he made it. Um, nice. And I guess the novelty kind of wore off uh, either yeah. then or, or there afterwards. Although Machete still had had its moments. It was definitely kind of still in its vein. It, it's but... still in its vein, but it's just 80% of people talking about nothing. Whereas this film... Like, there's just not a single dull moment. Even, like, the conversations are filled with, like, like I said, subtle jokes and humor. But, like, the action is just so 
gloriously ridiculous. Like, part of what made this film so entertained is that I just, I didn't know what kind of nonsense was going to happen next. Like, it just somehow, like, keeps topping itself. And you're just like, God, where are you taking this story now? Like, the best bit in the movie was the missing film reel because we get a quote-unquote sex scene in the movie. And by sex, I mean they do a bunch of sexy poses <laughs> and, and no actual fucking, which is great in of itself. But they're all, like, hanging out at the diner. And then, quote-unquote, the film, part of the film is missing, which is something that can happen where... You're either, like, some of the film got damaged and it's missing, like, certain film reels, so they had to cut around that and remind the audience that, hey, sorry, this part of the film's missing. So, th we cut back. The building's on fire. <laughs> Everybody is here. Character the stripper guy is sitting there just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Two random characters. The cop is, like, friends with the Mexican guy now <laughs> and letting him use guns. It's, it's so good like i was bursting out laughing at that scene i'm just like this is perfect and again the fact that none of it is ever addressed there's never a character being like wait i feel like i missed something it's just no it just sticks to it it commits to the bit at every level and god man i can't stress enough how much fun i had with this movie holy shit oh it's a good time it's and it's... and really i i feel remiss that we're not covered talking about death proof but it's like we should have had Video Joe, we should have had Death Proof on this one, but but no, there's it's no still gun a good limbs. time. It, 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 it's still a good time on its own, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it, I'd argue this is better than Death Proof, mostly because it does just know what it is and leans into it, and it also isn't two and a half hours long like Death Proof is. Like it's a very even like the unrated version which I watched. I don't know which version you watched, but it's only like an hour and forty five minutes. Like it's pretty snappy and. It oh yeah, it's definitely quite pretty... snappy. Yeah, I mean it's 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 longer than the last film, but it, this feels even breezier probably than Evil Dead Two in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, like the cast is just so much fun. Like they lead into their character tropes so well. Uh, Josh Brolin, like I knew he was gonna be a bad <laughs> guy. I didn't know he was gonna be scarier than the zombies. Like the scene where he's like pulling out the needles is hilarious. Like I love. Why do they have free needles? So they can have an excuse to draw down as long as possible. He holds out the last needle very slowly to, to purposely like draw out the tension. But it's also horrifying. It's like Jesus Christ! Like he's just like oh no, the, yo, here's what the so many, first there's so many does. gross things in this so. movie. Even when he's seeing that like first patient with like the infected tongue and like it like bursts as he's like. Yeah, he puts his it. fingers on it, and then he throws oh, on God. a glove. It's like oh my. God god as someone who's been through surgery i'm just like this is not how any of this works and i am so happy like first off like three needles no it's one needle it's an anesthesia it's one needle it's not three fucking needles that you have no to do it's like they, they, I, I, I have three, i have three little friends here's my yellow <laughs> friend which takes this thing off here's my blue friend which you won't feel which, which means feel? my yellow friend is working and here's my red friend which means you'll never, never see, see me, me again. again which Never like, say that at a hospital, by the way. Nah, Never that's, fucking that's... say that at a hospital. Uh, it, it, it's hilariously ominous, though. I mean, yeah, no, that's, I know. That's, 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 it's just that's so Josh Brolin can say. say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's... But um, I I don't know what it is about seeing just that like old school film grain against like the white walls of the hospital. It's like white and red. It just reminds me of all these like old school medical dramas and other like movies from that time period. Like Dark like, have you ever seen Coma? <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I've seen Coma, I've seen ER as well. 
Is that one oh, you're yeah. thinking of? Because it kind of reminded me a little bit of that as well. Just a little the bit of ER, a little sets. bit of yeah. a little bit of coma. I don't know. That that was just the whole thing. I remember just uh, this film really captured my imagination when I was younger. I yeah, guess. and that's a good feeling to have. Like it's it's better this movie about nostalgia than most nostalgic cash grabs we get these days because it's less like uh, here's exactly how these films were and more like here's how we remember them. You know, if, if that makes any exactly, sense. Yeah. And there's genuinely great aspects about this movie. Robert Rodriguez shot, edited, and co-wrote and did the music for this movie, which, by the way, the music is so good. Uh, so the music is great. And yeah. This is what I love about Rod Rodriguez is that he has his kind of hands into every part of the production. He's director, writer, and uh, like you were saying, musician as well. And he records the, the music for it, and it absolutely fits the vibe. Perfectly. Yeah, it fits the vibe. It slacks. It's very catchy. Apparently, John Carpenter was originally set to do the soundtrack. Yeah, somehow a saxophone and a guitar. I don't know how you thought that was a combination that worked, but it's a combination that fits perfectly. And apparently, like all of the synth sounds, totally. is actually like excerpts from the Escape from New York score, because John Carpenter oh. was set to do the soundtrack for this movie. But they had a dispute, like, I don't know if it was about payment or creative differences, and he walked off, and Robert Rodriguez was like, all right, but you gotta do one thing. God give me the rights to use the Escape from New York soundtrack. <laughs> and he put that in there. Like, all of the, like, synth parts of the soundtrack, I'm pretty sure it's just excerpts from Escape from New York. I haven't seen the movie, but, you know, I did recognize that score a little bit. I'm like, hey, this sounds a little bit like John Carpenter, and sure enough, it was. He's just uncredited. It definitely, it, it definitely feels like it has that homage to it, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I also keep forgetting the fact that Bruce Willis is in this, which is really funny. <laughs> I, to I me. mean, the film kind of and... forgets he's in it. <laughs> oh no, it's 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 a deliberate like nod um, that this is an old trick that grindhouse movie makers would do is that they would contract a big movie actor to be on set for one day, yep. and just having them on set for the notoriety, basically. Um, yeah, they would just yeah, and, uh, and and like for the rest of the movie is the rest of the movie, but they would have just this uh, big name actor and for one scene or, or yeah for one part of the movie, and then they really melt that as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it just there was one excerpt. Uh, Quentin Tarantino plays a rapist. We'll talk about it. I'm not sure how to feel about that, but he says well, he he's gonna get a stick. But hold up. There's, Bruce Willis is asking, like, where's Quentin Tarantino? And the soldier's like, oh, he's getting his dick wet. Just super casually, just like, oh, he's getting his dick wet. You know, <laughs> just that thing he always does. I thought that was hilarious. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, I, I thought just reading that this was from the Weinstein Company felt dated. Oh, like, uh, no. Yeah, I saw that. And I, I saw the guy playing the stripper. I'm like, oh, no, that better not be Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> No, the guy like no. running the strip club. I'm like, oh no, that better not. It, thankfully, it's not. It's just a either well, friend or relative of Robert Rodriguez. But I think what helps is that these films, these two films, apparently were just largely done by the directors. Like they had a ton of creative control in the project. Weinstein was apparently barely involved. So that does that does. I'd argue that makes it for a better viewing experience. Because otherwise, yeah, hmm. good good times as soon as i saw that uh producer i'm just like well that's unfortunate <laughs> that's unfortunate you couldn't cut around that all right <laughs> um but 
yeah, yeah, thankfully he didn't ruin the movie. So, yeah, Quentin Tarantino plays rapist. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. And I don't know how I feel that he's actually really good <laughs> in that role. Mm. Like, he's just always good I mean, at playing, it, it, like, violent like psychopaths. Uh, yeah. It's like seeing Vincent Gallard coming back for his big, big, big role after being disgraced by Hollywood. <laughs> Literally and, big. The Daily Wire shut-in and, and his big comeback role is as a pedophile. Like, <laughs> why does it seem like the role you were born to play? Oh, my God. <laughs> this and, is terrible. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, on top of that, Oh boy, uh, <laughs> what did they do with his dick? <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh, that was yeah. so gross. I'll just have to make this quick. Oh, I'll yeah, have to make this quick. <laughs> oh my god. Just, <laughs> just it dripping like that? Oh, yeah, Jesus. that's so. That's, for, for, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that's like the image that sticks in my mind when I. Of course it is. I mean, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> But uh, there's it, like it, 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 it seems it seems anatomically correct too. It's a it's a perfect acidic dissection of it. Yeah, they put Gosh. a. I wonder how much uh, they paid for the CGI in that scene. Oh, I hope the CGI artists got paid well to. I to do that. Yeah, I, I, I if yeah. I had some model and render testicles <laughs> that were like, dripping off of the <laughs> thing like that, I I expect to get paid well. Is I'm not going to be sleeping there. Yeah, well, hopefully afterwards. they were in and out very fast. They didn't spend a long time working on that, or at God least they didn't it. spend more time than they had to. <laughs> and it's not like there weren't gross-out jerk jokes that work in this movie. Like my favorite gross-out joke is the guy who owns the restaurant and he like dabs the zombie's blood. And he tastes it. It's like that's my new recipe. It's like that's blood, and he mixes that, mixes it with his own blood. And he's like, you're right, and then he tastes it again. Like oh my, mm-hmm. that grossed me out and made me laugh at the same time. <laughs> like he's just trying to find his perfect recipe. Like it's more important <laughs> than what's going mm-hmm. on. And the cops like, yo, give me that goddamn recipe. <laughs> I'm gonna lock you up. <laughs> and like it's dumb. It's not like that funny, but it's like I can't help but smile. I don't know why. Like even the jokes oh, yeah. that don't work for me in this movie, for the most part, it's just like I I can't help but smile. It's like you know what? That's cute. That was a cute attempt. I can't even be mad. But I was just—I was yeah. just reading. There's another uh, connection to um, No Country for All Men that I was reading. Oh yeah. Well, Josh Brolin mm-hmm. uh, is in this movie and he's in that movie. Apparently, the Coens uh, refused to give him an audition for the role um, as Llewellyn. Um, so he asked uh, Robert Rodriguez to help him shoot an audition tape when they were filming Grindhouse uh, for it. Um, he. Sh- uh, yeah, Rodriguez shot and Tarantino directed the tape, uh, which was shot using a uh, $950,000 digital camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I think uh, the one wife, um, or, or, or Mary Shelton read the lines for his wife in that, and they uh, they made the audition tape. I'm curious if that is circulated anywhere, like his audition tape for No Country. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's cool that he uh, got... Yeah. His other filmmaking buddies to help him get that role. It's so wholesome. Like, it's a really wholesome behind the scenes story. And the actress who played the doctor read the lines of um, Carla Jean. I think that's her name. Yeah, nice. Carla Jean. Yeah. yeah, it's like a really sweet when like, film crews come together to kind of like help other members out. Like, taking time out of their busy schedule just to be like, you know what? Like, we're going to do something to assist your career. Like, that is, it, it just shows like how close everyone was during production. 
and thankfully Weinstein was not anywhere neat close to this production, but like everybody else just looks like they're having so much fun making this movie, and the fun is just infectious. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, also, um, speaking of Josh Brolin, I'm just remembered, uh, reminded of the uh, Hot Ones interview he did uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw like that whole thing, oh, yeah. but he has a whole he has a whole anecdote about what happened uh, on No Country for All Men that's just hysterical. Yeah, um, that's a I'll great episode, by the way. Cat. If you haven't seen Hot oh, yeah. Ones yet, that's a great precursor. Like everything great about Hot Ones is, is just in that episode. It's one of my personal favorites. Strongly recommended, by the way. Um, in terms of like actual issues with the movie, like you alluded to this earlier, and I'm trying to word this in a way that makes sense. This movie looks too good, you know, like it doesn't fully commit to like the old school look, like something like Young Frankenstein or Black Dynamite or it even does, Dark Place. But did. it's like, but but well, like you can tell that there is like a perfectly clear digital camera shooting this yeah. stuff with with film noise on top of it because i think what might have helped the look even further is if they had used i don't know if they used vintage lenses on this one or if they like if they had some shots that were just straight up out of focus it might have helped <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean well also um, something else is they use cgi and i'm just like no it's it, it, it's hard it's hard to match well it's not that i'm against cgi no, it's all about it, how you use it. Right? It all so, has its place, and it doesn't. They really they fit they, here. they used a uh, Panavision Genesis camera, which was that was their first HD camera that they made back in the day. I think it's discontinued now, and it's literally shot on like HD like video tape. And I wonder how that shit works because that's that's crazy. That's fascinating. I, yeah, yeah, like that. That this was an era between the film, like actual physical film that you would have in the camera, and then before you were basically filming onto hard drives or you know sd cards this was like we have hd videotape and that's something i didn't even know existed which is insane to me but uh, it definitely does have like a different kind of look like it's very and what's interesting when, when you have like the blu-ray there is a version of it where they clean up all the uh they they, they take off all the film oh. um effects so you can watch it perfectly clean um but it just doesn't have the same feel to it when they have like the film grain. Yeah, this is the issue when you um, you, you can take digital footage and you can throw film effects on it, but they won't necessarily look like they gel together unless uh, you maybe have some optical imperfections as well. Like they were shooting with Panavision Primo lenses, which I think are their standard kind of high-end lenses. But if they shot with some deliberately vintage lenses for some shots, I think that would have helped give it that more, you know, grimy kind of organic look that those older films had and it's it's weird how like we almost uh fetishize or we almost um you know enjoy these things that were imperfect which were back in the day that's just what that was the limits of what they were working with right like the, yeah the, they that didn't was an, want it to look that way it was it's an imperfect technology they yeah. wanted it to look as good as this does mm-hmm. and now we're like deliberately trying to give it that old school feel by you know messing through the footage and sometimes people will shoot something that doesn't look that cool um or, or that isn't that interesting and they're like oh let's throw a vhs effect filter on or a film effect filter on now it looks like it's supposed to be bad looking um <laughs> which is uh it's a technique i will say that i have used like yeah, i've made uh, less interesting shots but looked a little more interesting to my eye by throwing film effects on there but really i think the focus should be on capturing um you know 
a thing that works and maybe you have like a little bit of an effect like that to give it a, a certain feel that's subconscious but not so overt but i i do blame this film uh and I still admire this film for just making me more aware of that medium because this was like a transitory kind of period like 2007 <laughs> film was still being shot prominently but hd stuff was coming out like this and um it was like 2010 that they really started switching over from uh, film projection to digital projection. And there was just a whole debate about that. I think even Keanu Reeves made this awesome documentary called Side by Side where yes. he talked to all the filmmakers and technicians and he got a look at how does film compare to digital and what does this mean for you know the industry going forward? Like it's a, it's a new medium, it's a new way of capturing the image. There are some people that still are hold true to the old ways of doing it like tarantino he shoots everything on film still rodriguez has embraced digital and for what it can do and i do think that there's some cool like things like sin city would not have been possible without digital no absolutely not yeah or or digital editing to to make it look exactly like that no 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 um and there's Mm -hmm. an interesting behind the scenes story on why this film looks like that because Robert Rodriguez was like infamous for like pushing digital technology when he was kind of surrounded by a lot of naysayers, <clears throat> Tarantino. Uh, so, and they actually, uh, this was like a passion project he wanted to do for a while. And Tarantino had said, "Well, I'm cooking up a film called Death Proof. Let's put both of these films together." And Robert Rodriguez said, "You know, there's this new technology you can use to add film scratches to your movie. So, I want to place a bet for the opening night." Uh, I'm going to put film scratches on my phone, but I'm going to shoot it on digital. And I bet you money, because of that, people are going to think my film was shot on film, and that your movie was shot on digital. And Tarantino's like, yeah, you're on. Like, there's no way you're going to win. Like, I shot on film. People are going to see that it was shot on film. After the showing was done, majority of the audience thought Planet Terror was shot on film. <laughs> but it's kind of funny to think about looking, like, back in the day, like, it's just like you did not do that with digital cameras like that was just a brand new technology you didn't see in the major release shot that kind of format they're just like wow like you can add like film scratches and dust and like change the cell colors like whoa like that's so mind-blowing but nowadays like oh, yeah. so many people have used the effect so many like indie filmmakers in particular like it, it's just kind of funny like nowadays oh, yeah. we could look at it be like oh they just add a filter on <laughs> digital camera work. But oh no, and, and so it's uh, it's a whole it's a whole like niche thing in the industry now. Like people are selling uh, video overlay assets where basically they just take film that they shot blank and maybe dragged behind a truck or something or thrown around, and then you just get this like uh, clean kind of pass of dirty film grain, and then you just uh, put it put it on top of your existing footage with a blending mode and you can adjust how much or how, how yeah much or how little of effect it has on the end footage um but it's just an overlaid effect basically um and it you know like i was really into the whole film and digital debate really it's just an aesthetic difference now like really? the practicality yeah. of it depends on your budget and the people you're working with basically whether you shoot digital and it's it's, it's, it's honestly impressive like how interchangeable they are these days and I like when you blend the two kind of organically like I think Lord of the Rings showed like the promise of digital while working within the film medium and I love the look of that of those films still to this day mm-hmm. um, Dune where did something similar yeah. 
you, you can tell it's shot on film from like the way it's colored, but then the, the digital effects absolutely enhance it. Um, but then you have uh, films like I remember watching Detective Pikachu and was shocked to find out that that was shot on film. Um, even though they would have had all this digital workflow to put these, uh, you know, uh, fictional animals back into the back into the frame and then put film grain on top of them to make them look like they belong in the in the shot. And then you had something like uh, Joker, which very much is an homage to, you know, Martin Scorsese's films in the 70s, that whole era. But that was all shot digitally, but then treated in post as if it were shot on film. Like they did a much they, they did a lot of work into the color grading to make it look photochemical. Um, even though they shot it on like RE Alexa 65s or something like that, which is crazy to me. But yeah, no, it's like it's it's totally an aesthetic choice uh, these days. Like yeah, it shows how much the medium has evolved. And you know, I couldn't picture not shooting Ex Machina on digital. I couldn't picture not shooting Mad Max Fury Road on digital with all the coverage they they were able to get and all the oh, color grade yeah, choices. That... That like, movie would not have been possible if it weren't for digital technology and the amount of cameras. They they had like absolutely. 10 RE Alexas firing all the time, shooting hours and hours of footage, and then dozens of like sub $3,000 uh, consumer crash cameras, like just to get additional coverage. Like they have DSLRs kind of hooked up in places uh, to get additional shots. And to shoot all that on film would have been absolutely uh, insane. Do. Yeah, it would have costed way more money too, probably more money oh, yeah. than they had even. But yeah, it and just shows so much. But then you have like fun. guys like Christopher Nolan still like shooting an IMAX. Jordan Peele now also shooting an IMAX. Yep, which is really cool. I don't think he's shot on film before, has he? Jordan Jordan Peele? I don't think so, actually. No. Yeah, so I he's think, got I, a branch I think he's, been, I think he's 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 been all he's been digital up to now, and now he's shooting on full proper IMAX. Yeah, which I think is really cool. Mind you, so, the I, guy I, I, shooting, I like how interchangeable yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. It it really just depends on the project, how much money you have, and what you're comfortable mm -hmm. with too. Like if you're comfortable using a digital camera, use a digital camera. If you're comfortable shooting on film, then well, maybe you should just shoot on film. Yeah, you know, it's all mm -hmm. about personal experience of what you're comfortable with. That's kind of oh yeah. I I, I shot on film one time. It was like a, a roll of sixteen millimeter when I was in school. I remember being in the developing room handling like uh, spaghetti while I was like yep. pointing it through the different chemicals um, it was an experience I don't know how practical like that is but I do like to shoot that way every so often it's uh you're, you're always kind of in this state of uncertainty where you're not sure if you quite captured what you thought what you uh, thought you did on the day or if you're shooting on this like really high contrast black and white film like I did which is really meant for sound it's like are these levels gonna turn out the way i'm imagining they are like because the, the whites are very, very white and the blacks are very black on a film stock like that which you shoot on uh because it's cheap basically um but also it kind of gives that kind of ingrained look um and you're kind of trusting this little light meter to tell you what the exposure should be and you're hoping that that looks right at the end of it which miraculously it did uh for the project that i was shooting on um not practical in all situations but it is fun it makes you more engaged in what you're capturing. As yeah, well, exactly. It makes extent. you pay attention. Like that's one thing people mm -hmm. like about it. It's like you only got so much time to shoot. Uh, you know, so much can go wrong in the shooting process if you don't pay attention. And you also got to like 
you can't just edit on a computer. Like you gotta go through it, you know, cell by cell, and kind of if you're doing it frame. all practically, you gotta like snip it together and staple it together and kind of get your fingers bloody, as <laughs> Martin Scorsese would say. You know, there is like a mm -hmm. real art and craft to it that I appreciate, but again, it just depends on you know what resources you have available and. Robert Rodriguez did a great job of the resources he had. I don't know if this film or Sin City is my favorite Robert Rodriguez film. I, I gotta watch Sin City again, be sure, but man, Planet Terror is definitely up there, and I can tell that this was a passion project he's had since the 90s, because it's just oozing with love and charm and glorious, delicious cheese and rocket jumping and, and Josh Brolin showing up out of nowhere lesbian revenge it's great and it's testicles and yep lots and lots of testicles and somehow they always uh, have time to chop off like hundreds of testicles uh, oh man it's it, gross <laughs> man yep it's so gross so disgusting and i loved it i'm giving this film a great out of 10 are you fucking kidding me man this was a blast these are the kind of comedies i just love just fully self-aware without being obnoxious and just feeling like a passion project because that's what a parody needs. It needs that passion. You can't make a parody fueled from hate because then you get bullshit like Meet the Spartans or Scary Movie where it's clear that they have no idea what the genre entails because they hate it so much where, you know, the best jokes are often made about people familiar with one another. And the same applies oh, yeah. to genre films as well. I, I I often say that hate is a waste of energy, and it doesn't help you creatively, really. Yeah, exactly. If you make something out of spite, it doesn't make it better. Yeah, uh, if you don't make it out of spite, and you can hate and love something at the same time, you love something enough to want to criticize it. And I think that's where all these great parodies come from. So great like, out. I, I think I, I think the best parodies come from Place of Love, which is why I also think Galaxy Quest is one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, I'll, well, I'll I mean, I don't think it's... That. Yeah. I'll save that discussion for another day. We, we should talk about that one again at some point. Absolutely. But, um, we gotta get Steve no, I, 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 I agree with you. This movie's great. It's an 8 out of 10. <sighs> Man, I, I'm i gonna get this on Blu-ray. I hope it comes to 4K soon. Ooh. If I, I have uh, to get with Death Proof, I'll kill myself. But <laughs> if I could get it separately, I'll be very happy. Not to make you jealous, but one time I was at a Giant Tiger of all places, which, uh, if you don't know, is like a little cheap uh, retail store. In yeah, Canada. I've been there. Um, but uh, at one point they had Sin City and the two Grindhouse movies all in Blu-ray together in one pack for like 20 bucks, and I picked it up. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. I do love me some Sin City, so I haven't seen it in a while, but I just remember loving the style and something about like all of the dialogue and the acting just fits that noir vibe so well and I, it's a genre i wholeheartedly love so i'll definitely yeah. go back to it someday so uh my friendship was regained with planet terror because my friendship was lost with guns akimbo let's talk about oh let's talk about this <laughs> Devin, I want to fight oh, this movie right off the bat. I, I want to fight I, this I, movie. Actually, but before I get get into it, I actually have a, another friend of mine to blame for for me seeing this movie. Actually, it was uh, a, a good buddy of mine from work. I won't say uh, his name on here, <laughs> John. Um, but no, he's a good buddy of mine from work, and we were doing like a DVD exchange for a while. And I still have some of his movies from pre-pandemic, and he still has a couple of my movies from pre-pandemic that we lent each other. One of which was Guns Akimbo. 
and it was just sitting there while waiting for me to see it. And I'm like, ah, I just don't have time because, uh, you know, I'm watching these movies on this podcast, and it's like exhausting to watch three movies a week sometimes. Um, I do want to watch it sometime though. And then, uh, lo and behold, it gets recommended for the show. I'm like, damn, I finally have a reason to watch this one. Awesome. Other than, you know, I had it on lend from a friend for a while. And um, I gave him my kind of quick thoughts on it. I told him that I had fun watching it, which was true. I do have, I did have fun watching this one. Um, it reminded me of the movie Nerve. Uh, and I liked this movie quite a bit more than Nerve. That said, I didn't like Nerve very much. <laughs> All right, so... Kung Sukimbo, uh, uh, the boy who lived, uh, plays this uh, game developer who's working on this shitty mobile game that's totally not a ripoff of like Flappy Bird. Well, it was they're... called Nut Job. It was called Nut Job or something like Nut that. Nut Job, or... yeah, but it's it's clearly like a spin like Flappy Bird or like. Or no, it, it, it was Nut Bus too. That's what it was. Oh, wow, very <laughs> clever, and it, it had Such... it had a squirrel. Such subtle, much wow. Oh, subtle. Okay, so this movie is as subtle as the first Suicide Squad. That movie is a so masterpiece compared to this, but let's carry on. Okay, so off track. Apologize about that. So the boy who lived gets taken on by this basically this streaming company that streams actual people. Yeah, schism uh, streams actual people actually like going out and killing each other. You know, John Wick style, just track each other down and killing each other for views for a bunch of random streamers we have no reason to care about and have no personality whatsoever. It's uh, it's like it's like Twitch with with real deaths because look at where we are in society. <laughs> I, Devin, I, I also I'm that, trying. I also love that the website is is named after a tool song, schism. <laughs> Devin, I'm trying not to fight this movie yet, so give me some time to breathe. Uh, Go for it. Uh, so, eventually, Daniel Radcliffe, um, I, I forget how this happens, uh, he uh, basically hacks or trolls like the streaming service, so in, in he, order he, to get he, revenge... He counter trolls the trolls, basically. That's ah, that's right. Yeah, that, he counter trolls the trolls. And that, like, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a nobody, so I enjoy... You know, just trolling people online, which, who says that? Like, this is the type of, uh, it, it's so weird watching, like, modern movies, or, or like, movies uh, adapt this old kind of format, talking about, like, the, a new thing like the internet. It's just, it's kind of cringe. It's kinda, it, it feels like it's in retrograde, trying to then tell a classical story through the context of, like, the internet. Like, when, when they portray the internet in movies like this, it just... You know, it gets it all wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so Schism shows up to his house, and the in the scene that's totally not ripping off the Big Lebowski. They bolt oh. guns into his hands, and that lasts about five minutes. Stays on the street. Small Weaven doesn't kill him. Uh, who's this badass assassin that uh, Daniel Radcliffe has to kill, or else he's gonna die himself? Uh, so Daniel, she doesn't kill him because plot armor. And I fucking hated this steaming hot pile of uninspired, <laughs> hateful, <laughs> annoying, <laughs> unlikable, hot garbage. If this, if it wasn't for Pathfinder, this would be the worst fucking movie we've talked about on this podcast. <laughs> this would be the worst movie. There was, I laughed uh, once. This, uh, I liked uh, two it, performances. It, it's, 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 <laughs> and that's you know it. what? It, it, it was over the top. It was cheesy. It was just, it was ridiculous. 
and you know, and I don't think it took itself seriously at all. I, I it's, but it, 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 which is fine if it was actually funny. But none of it was funny to me because every character just talks like a B-rate Deadpool. Like it's all just like fuck tits, dick tits, dick balls, poopy shoopy, which is an actual line written in a movie, written by an adult, written for adult audiences. And I officially lost faith in humanity. Thanks, Matt. Wow. Fuck you. It's, 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 it's very... <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear his feedback. On this, oh, but... uh, you know what? I think I think Stephen. Uh, I actually wasn't a fan of this movie either, which this would be a rare instance where you both of you actually agree. Yeah, right. Uh, man, why even <laughs> but I mean, hey, not... it, a movie so spiteful and hateful that it unites <laughs> two countries together Incredible. in a crisis against I a mean, common I, enemy. <laughs> again, it reminded me of a movie called Nerve, which I had completely forgotten about, which takes like the PG-13 route of this kind of story. Oh. Like I think there was – it was basically – it was like a it was like a dare contest where there were like further and further legal dares. The only reason I even knew about the movie or even looked into it because I heard Casey Neistat had a little cameo role in it, which his role in it was definitely something he shot himself and he did as a friend favor because it's very much out of character for him uh, yeah. to do that kind of thing in in the, in the context of the movie even. But this was a, that was the whole thing they did that they brought in like real, I think internet celebrities into it to try to add some validity to it but it was like this like twitch streams dare contest which uh the dares would get more and more illegal and uh there was like a love story that they shoehorned into that uh there is kind of a love story thrown in this one but at least this one's a little more cathartic with blood and guts and how ridiculous it is in that sense i mean i did like it better than uh the original suicide squad although it's very much uh, of that style uh... Which, that, if you yeah. like, cool, good for you. Like, this isn't something I would want to watch or indulge in all the time. Uh, it definitely feels like it's meant for an adult audience, but a very juvenile adult audience. Yeah, it's meant you know for 12-year-old I mean? Twitch streamers uh, that don't know or, how Twitch works because this movie doesn't understand how fucking streaming works either. But the guy claims oh, yeah. he, the, who directed this movie claims he's so good at streaming, but you clearly don't understand how fucking streaming works. <laughs> Well, it reminded me a bit of a Truman Show as well, the way that they showed some of those uh, people watching and reacting. Yeah, but the difference like, with the Truman Show is that the people the fucking, involved yeah. actually have some development. Like, take the chick, for example, in the Truman Show. Like, it's established that she's a part of, like, a rebellious group that wants to get Truman out of the show. Like, she has a sense of history and the past and the character. These streamers are just random people that I have no reason to care about. There's, They all talk the exact same. There, there was a, a line once, I think it was Neil Druckmann on The First Last of Us, where he said, uh, you should be able to close your eyes and everyone, like, imagine closing your eyes and having all of the voice actors sound the same. You should still be able to tell who's talking by just from how the characters are written. And boy, howdy, does this film not understand how that film works? Like, no, no, so like all, all, yeah. all the audience feels the same. They the, feel like yeah. just... <laughs> so underdeveloped and, and there was such a potential they could have had for that in developing mm -hmm. those characters a little bit more yeah. like you get these little snippets and you're just like what are these guys watching this in a fucking change room for you know yeah like, like are they, they gay like they just... did, did they just fuck <laughs> like what is it <laughs> are they just sports like i don't know anything about these guys like what with that random fat guy in this room like at least in something stupid like Gamer, that guy's like kind of a character and ties into the plot somehow. That guy's just some random fat guy in his room because video games are bad for your health, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't know. 
there. I don't know anything about yeah, he, them. He's, he's a guy that watches streams all the time at home, and he just eats Tito's. Oh, God, man. It, those video games, wow. that streaming, it's going to get you. What a... Uh... What, what, what an insightful character yeah, description. Exactly. Uh, what an insightful and that powerful... That says a lot about society. Yeah, it <laughs> says a lot about fucking society. But even the main uh, character, he's so unlikable. Like, I have... There was... Mm -hmm. At least with Venom, I'd argue Eddie's somewhat likable in the sense that, like, okay, he got kicked out of his apartment for doing this job. Uh, you know, he got kicked you know, there was a guy that I generally hates that's responsible for him getting fired and, you know, from those perspectives, it's like, okay, like, I can kind of relate to this person, but Dan Radcliffe's like, you're fine. <laughs> like, you have a nice apartment, you have, you're just a dick to everyone you meet. Like, there's a scene where his friend is like, throwing something at him and trying to warn him, and then Daniel Radcliffe's mad at him. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, your best friend tried to warn you that your boss was coming. Why are you such a dick? Like, why, uh, like wow, I'm glad this is the likable protagonist I'm going to relate to throughout the entire movie. And, like, Samara Weaving is, like, slightly more relatable, but they pull, like, the cheapest, most manipulative route. Like, oh, she, she had a bad childhood. Oh, she was separated from her father. Oh, that's so sad. But I feel nothing for it because there were no scenes establishing their relationship. You know, she doesn't seem all that phased that her dad's dead. <laughs> And one scene, like there's nothing. There's I feel felt nothing but embarrassment from this movie. It was just a stream. I, I forgot of about that whole subplot entirely. And, and, and exactly and calling this film, like <laughs> you know what, like it, it, it maybe it did something for the moment. It kept it watchable in the moment, but I completely forgot about it after the fact. It didn't have that much of a lasting impact for me to care too much about what's going on. I, I love the like unmotivated colored lighting. They just have like these washes of reds and blues in there for basically no, no reason. reason other than it looks cool. Although, you know, I, 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 I do like the sets design or they, they basically just shot in abandoned buildings with... with yeah, neon, like, like, there's no sets. It they shot cool. in, like, let, people's let, apartments and abandoned sets. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it looks pretty cool, though. I like I like when they utilize spaces like that, although, um, you know, there, there, there is some something to be said about the fun uh, value of this picture, but... um. What it adds up to in the end is not much. Like it's very passable entertainment for sure. Like I would, I would chalk it up to that. I was just looking though. This, uh, this director, his name's uh, Jason Lee Howard, I think, or Howden. Yeah. Um, apparently, he also did this movie called Deathgasm, which I heard uh, some interesting things about. Uh, he also had did uh, done visual effects for the Avengers and Lord of the Rings, or he was part of one of the teams for that. So I guess that's how he got his kind of foot in the door in making movies like this. What a fall um, from grace. <laughs> Oof. Um, fuck. Okay. God. Well, I, I, th I think, I think, I think there's a reason some people maybe stay in the visual effects departments and aren't directing. Yeah. Um, here's my thing about the presentation of this movie. I think we owe Turbo Kid an apology for how it shots. Oh uh, wow. Action scenes. <laughs> at least, yeah. Turbo Kid, as poorly choreographed and poorly edited as it was, at least it didn't make my eyes want to bleed. At least well, it didn't you know what? Do ruin old songs with shitty remixes. <laughs> you, you know what? They were a little maybe ambitious, a little too ambitious with some of the coverage of how they shot stuff. Like they were like when when he walked from the guns stapled to his hands, they basically shot it all upside down. Yeah, for no um, reason. It, no, it's like this is really disorienting. What 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 a really disorienting circumstances guy is. Like it's just really laying it on thick with that. Like, yeah. I get the idea behind it, but 
it's just a little extra. It a, tries a too extra. hard. Yeah, he it, was. It, it's going. There, there, there are some fun transitions though. Like I do like how the 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 camera kind of barrel rolls and then that transitions from one scene to another. That's kind of cool, but it's just a bit much sometimes the way they uh, it's the way, way they did much. that. Like they were they they were really focusing uh, like extra on the visual presentation over the this the plot of the story. Yeah, there's no substance and. Here's the thing, like, the editing, especially during the action scenes, is so bad, like, I can't tell what's happening, but it looks like, you know how a lot of films will, like, chop up, like, action scenes because the actors clearly couldn't do their own stunts, or their stunts looked really shitty, so they just had to work around it, and this, it looks like, from what I read, apparently Samara and Daniel did, like, a decent amount of their own stunts, it looked like everybody knew what they were doing, and, like, everything was there and choreographed. But for some reason, yeah. they just decided to shoot it like shit. <laughs> they decided to uh. just shoot it in a way that didn't seem that way. But it does. But for some reason, mm -hmm. this director had to shoot it with that style. And just, it's so nauseating and so disrespectful to, like, the crew well, members that clearly put, like, a lot of work into doing these stunts. Because I read an interview that... Jason Lee Howden basically said, like, oh, I want the movie to look like a video game. I want to match the pre presentation of what it feels like to play a game. But no video yeah. game fucking looks like this, dude. What video games have you been playing? No video game looks like this. Well, it, it's definitely it's definitely how movies think video games kind of look. Exactly. I mean, Free Guy, Free, <laughs> Free Guy <laughs> had kind of the same problem, Yep. <laughs> but uh, on an even bigger budget. I, I was just reading the IMDb su summarization of this, and it's funny, anytime I read an IMDb, like, description that doesn't exactly match it says a guy relies on his newly acquired gladiator skills to save his ex-girlfriend from kidnappers Wait, when does what? he ever acquire gladiator skills when does that ever happen in the movie it doesn't that makes no sense <laughs> they does even really I, I like that the character i like that his character is so important that they just call him a guy <laughs> yeah like he's so one-dimensional like i don't even remember the names of any of the characters like they even mentioned samar weaving's character's name so many times so it's like i just don't care I don't care. It's not my bad memory at this point. I just don't give a shit because these are not characters. They are all just Jason Lee Howden's way of uh, trying to be cool and funny and expressing his hatred for Twitch. Like, it's just so mean-spirited, so ugly and horribly written and unfunny. Like, the one time I laughed was when somebody asked for a selfie from Guy and he said, sure and he just walked away it's like that's the one time i laughed like that was a joke that was timed well that was subtle and didn't draw too much attention to itself something the rest of the humor doesn't do and some of the humor is just like the most basic like yeah of course you made that joke like when they're using mm -hmm. the hammers and they say hammer time and then hammer time or, plays um... for some reason or uh that's Nick's, hilarious uh the, the 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 one girl she she names her guns kindness Oh, so she's yeah. Literally killing people with kindness. And she says the <laughs> joke. It's like, you don't need to say the joke. Just say your guns are named kindness and move on with the fucking movie. I hate it when comedies do that. Everything oh, yeah. I hate about modern movies is in this movie. <laughs> Every trend I hate. Like, even like the whole, like, oh, well, in the real world, you know, guns make a loud noise. In the real world, like, you know, like, 
See, the girl wouldn't get a lady boner, yo. She'd get PTSD from you killing a guy. I'm just like, fuck you, movie. You don't get the right to be realistic. You don't get to jerk me around with this nonsense for <laughs> an hour, 90 plus minutes, and then pull a, well, actually, this is what would happen in the real world. It's like, no, fuck off. You didn't earn that right. This isn't smart. This isn't clever. This is just you being an obnoxious twat. Shut up. I hate this movie. <laughs> Uh, as, as as if that wasn't evident or clear. Before. I know, but I'm sorry. It's just this movie. I stopped and I pulled the 2010 and stopped this movie halfway through. Went out for a walk oh, late no. at night and came back and forced myself to watch it. I the is only that, way I could watch yeah, it was. I, I, I yeah. forgot that's what you did for 2010 as well. I mean, yep, man. <laughs> I I I don't I don't think that movie would you know inspire that much hate in a person, but. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, this movie did it too. <laughs> and the only reason I watched the second half was with my mom, and she's like, ah, it doesn't look that bad. Then we watch it. It's like, yep, that was pretty shit. <laughs> that was oh, pretty yeah. fucking shit. No, I, I, I was sure that no one else in my family would be interested in watching this one. Well, I, no, I got my brother to watch it as well. He, yeah. he kind of enjoyed it. He well, said. my mom uh, only wanted to watch it because Daniel Radcliffe is in it, which I will say, the two only positive points of this movie. Danny Radcliffe and Smart Weaving look like they do a good job. They do a decent job. Mm -hmm. Like, they're the only actors that cared. <laughs> you know, like, they look like they're having some fun with their roles. And even though I didn't laugh, there were, like, a couple of smiles at certain points mm -hmm. with how devoted they were to these crazy characters. But they just have nothing to work with. And yeah. may I well, just say, the I, villain... I, 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 Sorry, go on. I think it really says something that uh, Daniel Radcliffe had a more lively and uh, engaging performance when he played a farting corpse uh, <laughs> in that movie Swiss Army Man, uh, directed by the Daniels. I think um, your boner is pointing us in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> which, speaking of which, why did we have to see his dick in that one shot? Remember when he was trying to pee? And yeah, they just why? give him this like 10-inch fake dick to pretend to be peeing from? And it's like we didn't need to see that. Like we I, just I can need infer to see that. Yeah, the guns. I I, I, yeah. I, I, I can infer that he's trying to use guns as hands, and this is creating a lot of difficulty yeah. for him. Which that was something I kind of appreciated at first, just showing how he's trying to change his pants with this, you know, thing. And I wish that they kept that situation a little more grounded. Like how how does one work with this practically? I you know. know. Like I I think there's so much uh, potential. For subtle humor like that, but they just kind of forget about yeah, it. Yeah, they after don't a do while. anything with it. Like, I, 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 after the homeless man helps him get dressed, and that's a whole awkward scene. Like that, 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 that was a funny kind of scene in and of itself. Was him sure. asking a homeless guy for help, and him meeting like an old hot dog or something. Oh, but it's 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 those more grounded moments in this absurd situation that I connected with more. And I wish there was just a little bit more of yeah. that. The film just doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, does it want to be like a weird? Paul Verhoeven-esque satire on streamer culture doesn't want to be like a Venom-like story where here's how this character deals with their normal life of this like awful miracle of sorts you know, or doesn't want to be a crazy fun dumb fun action movie schlock fest like Neville Dean and Tyler yeah he tries to do all of that he doesn't succeed at anything he's doing because nothing never has enough time to breathe and even like the satire like what's the message like it's the message that uh Twitch culture is bad. bad. Yeah, violence bad. Twitch is bad. Okay. Uh, video games pe bad. Pe pe okay. pe people, people love violence and wow. We're like so yeah. deep. <laughs> yeah. 
so fucking deep, man. And I've read some reviews on Letterboxd where it's like, it's an interesting satire. I'm like, no, it isn't because it doesn't have anything to say. That is the worst kind of satire where it's like, oh, we're saying some, uh, like, we're talking about a common issue, so that means we're important. That means we don't have to try. It's like, that is the worst kind of satire imaginable. I hate that shit, and I hate how this movie does it, too. Oh, my God. Uh, it shot a 42 out of 100 on Medicare. Which is way too high. We'll get into that in a bit. Shut I'm up. not 51% on RT. <laughs> too high. <laughs> I'm just doing my research here. No, please, feel free. Uh, yeah. The music, uh, it's awful. Uh, it's either just shitty remixes of 80s music that doesn't fit at all, or it's just like awful, like generic, like lo-fi hop, free YouTube playlist music <laughs> that you could get on YouTube for free. And here's the weird thing. There were some songs they could clearly get the licenses for, and then there were some songs they did remixes for. And here's what I think happened. So, because, um, you know, Hammer Time is just Hammer Time, and the song, I forget what it's called, it's like, When the shit goes down, you better be ready. When the shit goes down! Right. Like, I think that's just that <laughs> song. But here's what I think happened. They got the royalties for those songs, and they're just like, Shit, that was really expensive. We have these action scenes planned for these songs. I know what we can do. To avoid royalties, we'll just have the DJ that did our soundtrack just make shitty remixes of these songs. Even though, like, there's no reason, like, a, a slaughter of 30 hitmen have to have you spin me right round. Like, there's no reason for that song being played there. There's no reason for that at all. It's just the nostalgic, like, oh my god, I remember this cool song from the 80s. Remember this cool song from the 90s? Like, that's all it is. It serves no purpose. It adds nothing. And on top of that, it's a shitty remix, which Aquaman already made my ears bleed with that Pitbull remix of Africa. I don't need this film to add on to that several times. <laughs> I forgot. You, you, you know what? Yeah, I, so I, I kind of watched Aquaman. I didn't see all of it. I just remember watching it. Uh, and near the beginning, there was a song by Figure Rose. And I was like really, really seed deprived, and I just remember like crying a little bit, and then falling asleep, and then I don't remember the rest of the movie. <laughs> it was nice hearing that Sigur Rose song, though. It was yeah, nice. it was very lovely. It's like a lullaby, you know, like Sigur Rose, good stuff. If you don't know them, yeah, very uh, good band. Nice light, nice Icelandic band. They have music in uh, in a lot of movies actually. Uh, mm -hmm. Vanilla Sky, I think, was one, um, and another one was uh, 127 Hours. Great anyway, use of it, just, it, it, just, it inspires me to watch other movies other than this one. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am done shamed on this movie. I could talk about this movie forever. Uh, every uh, character talks the same. I didn't care about anybody. It looks like shit. It sounds like shit. None it's, of the it's, action you know what? Like they, they, they use these very toxic-looking colors, which in the wild uh, is usually a sign you're supposed to keep away. You know, if, <laughs> if, if there's a creature that has a bright yellow or bright pink kind of exterior probably poisonous um and that's the whole color scheme of this movie it's just very poisonous mm. looking colors yeah bright pinks bright yellows bright greens bright reds bright yep. blues just um they they can look beautiful but they're intentionally quite garish and if that's what you're into if you're into uh toxic media then this is exactly this is right up your alley yeah um right next to you know, just just uh, th th this seems like the perfect movie to watch if you're gonna eat one of those purple uh, candy bars from Crimes of the Future. 
You could also shove a gun up your ass and pull the trigger. That would probably be a better experience well, than watching you, this you know, you know what? I was I was looking at like the, the thumbnail for the trailer of this, mm. and it shows the image of him pointing the gun to his head. I feel like that's where the movie should have ended. Is if like you have the whole same setup and everything, and then when the homeless man uh, instructs him to, to shoot himself better, he he actually just does it. Um, maybe he doesn't get 100% killed by it, but that'd be like a shocking like uh, midway kind of turning point. And it's like, well, he just shot himself. I think he's dead, and now he's just kind of homeless in the street with guns for hands and just kind of bleeding out. I don't know, you can take the story a very different direction from there where it's suddenly grounded in a shocking reality to, to an extent. Yeah, I know. And all this stuff if, just dissolves as being meaningless. Just commit this. I something. think that'd be I think it'd be more interesting if it kinda of took a, a sideways plot deviant like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, also the film would be over quicker, so that would make it better. <laughs> uh I'm Which, giving uh, this wait, wait. Yeah, go on. It, it really says something about the movie if like him shooting himself seems like a better ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, God, this film was apparently written and directed by an idiotic Twitch streamer and the tr and the anti-troll, and boy, does it feel like it. Personally, I normally couldn't give a shit about, like, the person being involved being toxic, or the person being involved in a film, I mean, but even if this guy was Keanu fucking Reeves, even if he was the nicest, most wholesome guy in the world, I would still think less of him. For having made this movie, and I think less of my friend Matt for having made me watch this. You're lucky you recommended oh, wow. Planet Terror 2 out of 10. Very generous 2 out of 10, just for Daniel Radcliffe and Smart Weaving. Like, they still cared, I guess. Wow. Oh, you gotta give it. Yeah, good question. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Alright, uh, what about a 6.9? <laughs> Or, or, or I can give it a 3.4. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Do anything else. Go outside. That's better than watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, that was a very interesting and entertaining episode. Thank you so much, Devin. As always, you're a great co-host, buddy. Thank you for Thanks, being willing to take this episode on solo with me. And I, boy, do I have a surprise for you because next week it's my episode, baby. It's prime oh, yeah. time. What, 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 what do we have next week? So next week is just trying to remember what I called the episode. Just one second. Uh, so, eyes of God. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, through the eyes of God. So we are talking about our first silent movie, Passion of the Joan of Arc, from the late twenties. I've heard a lot about it. Very excited to watch it. The full film uh, is on YouTube, but it's not in English, unfortunately. So hopefully there will be another way to find it and watch it. Uh, the Exorcist, sure which I regretfully haven't seen. So I'm looking forward to that film as well. Stephen didn't manipulate that choice at all. And Martin wow. Scorsese's <laughs> Silence, which I've seen in theaters and I haven't seen it since. Looking forward to watching it again. All right, this has been Thursdays with Mori, and as always, please stay tuned for Conan. And uh, is it Thursday yet? Have a great night, guys. See you.